Hi, Jeremy. Hello, Raphael. Welcome back. Mm. Welcome back, indeed. Y- you were Welcome away back again? to our listeners. No, I mean, I just went to Chicago for a couple days. I'm basically in Chicago, like, part-time right now. Swimming. Yeah. How's that going? I mean, it's a beautiful city. Every time I go, I'm like, the architecture here, it like it, un- it unravels like an onion. You turn it's a funny, corner. It's funny how that can change your, your being, mm-hmm. the, the architecture. Like, like, you feel great if you wear a new set of clothes and you, you're wearing your favorite outfit. And yeah. The same it, way if you're in a, in a great building or you're surrounded by great buildings. It's enchanting. It's enchanting. Yeah. It really is. Like also, just like you know, I, you have to visit a city more than once. Yeah, to get I will say it. this again. I only visited Chicago once, but to me, it's interesting how there really is no second New York in the U.S. There's not even a city that feels close to New York. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 U.S. is so much about space, and and New York is just this. Manhattan is just this weird island. It's very mm-hmm. un-American. <laughs> it's true. It's cramped. Yeah. Well, so, Chicago, parts of Chicago feel a little bit like New York, but almost like what New York would have, like, I think it was actually <laughs> like aspirational. Like a beautiful New York. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to say that, but that's, like, it was it was ahead architecturally for Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Quite no, but it, 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 I mean, and we're, we're veering into kitsch, but it's mm. funny how New York is kind of ugly, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it great. It, it's, it's very strange. I don't know if it, I'm just being trapped by marketing. And mm. I believe that is great. Like some people say, that it's like Stockholm syndrome. Mm. But but um, you love uh, that artificial brick in Brooklyn. Like you love those. <laughs> no, I like the real. I live in China. I don't like Brooklyn. I'm just but it, it, the the, the um, it, it seems real. This neighborhood, Chinatown. So uh, I don't mm-hmm. know if it's fake. But it 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 maybe it is. Like there are buildings that were built to look like Chinese pagodas. You know that kind of. Mm-hmm. ancient asian architecture i don't know the terms but uh obviously this is not real china it's a weird mm-hmm. version of it yeah i mean you know everything but it's, in New it's York, so uh, old that it becomes yeah. real it becomes real chinatown not real china but real chinatown yeah i think like yeah in new york it's like everything gets covered in a layer of grit it's like a photoshop filter that gets applied like a sepia tone <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> and yeah. then everything kind of just gels um yeah, yeah. but it, it's i've never lived anywhere um that I no Paris as well. That you just walk outside and have this great feeling of the, like um, that the neighborhood and the architecture gives you. Yeah, but this episode it's is all not put about together. Cities. Well, yeah. whatever. I mean, I, I was in Chicago to to. It's funny because this area I was in, uh, I was staying and was like architecturally kind of this the center of of Chicago previously, like if you know of its golden age. So there's all these like you know buildings like uh, trying to supersede one another, and of course there's also like that's where Trump chose to build his tower. And so like I, w- I went into my hotel room, which and it's right on this like canal, this like historic kind of can- canal area. And then I opened the curtains, and then there's just a huge Trump logo like right in my face. <laughs> it's like uh, a really bad dystopian novel. Yeah, and then I was there to do a thing at the Apple Store, and the Apple Store is this like beautiful Norman Foster designed uh, store that's like it's actually set in all the buildings are like original initial like 1930s skyscrapers and then like the Apple store is like sunk into the ground on purpose so that it's like this oh. very modest um, like glass that's like actually sunken into the it's into transparent its, and it's sunken it's trying yeah, to yeah trying to trying to disappear and I, I yeah. so I found that that kind of uh, beautiful in a way but very Apple, of course. Like it was, an, it was an architectural gesture. Like they're like, they'll go high, we'll go low. I'm the opposite <laughs> of what you know. <laughs> but um, uh, you, you did the talk at the Apple Store in Chicago or Toronto? This was in Chicago, yeah. Um, so they have these flagship stores, and they're really interesting because they're trying to become like cultural centers, like town squares. And the redesigned Apple stores don't have a genius bar; they have like an orange grove. <laughs> Oh, and they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, I don't, or I don't know if they're called orange groves, but yeah, it's, like it's a funny. Grove. It's like, okay, we're not, we're not going to pay taxes, but then we're going to give back in the form of public space. <clears throat> yeah, and then there's like all this like sort of ad hoc like cubes instead of a bar with stools. There's like a hundred wooden cubes that have like either medicine balls. Did in you them or did other you things. like being there? Um, it's actually good? really, it's actually a really beautiful store, and I did enjoy being there. But the the point I was trying to make is that they were they're programming cultural content. So I was there um, helping, yeah, the MCA with their first partnership with Apple yeah. and talking. I've, about I've been at project. the Apple Store here waiting for a repair, and then 
they're doing talks and someone is explaining how to use uh, mail and like how to use uh, numbers or pages and uh, more, well, more functional uh, explanation of software. Right. I think this was there. They actually have some freedom to program it differently. Each store uh, has a has you know a different programmer. In this case, is someone from the Guggenheim. Their previous position was at you know doing public programs at Guggenheim, and then they're like now at the Apple Store. Um, but there and there was some tension we were discussing around like using Apple tools or not. And uh, but ultimately, like the the interesting thing to me was that the trajectory that they want to be on. Like they're really. They're really trying to position themselves as this like human. Uh, it's funny artistic, that Microsoft creative. and Apple have this battle for the artist. Yes, well, that's where I thought we could talk about a little yeah. bit today, um, and I think that's symbolized mostly by their forays into the future of computing, which in both cases, yeah. and especially and, in Apple. And then, it, if you look at the history of Apple, it was really the uh, how deep they were entrenched in the publishing industry and graphic design that saved them. They, they would have gone belly up without the, that. Was it, they were pretty mainstream in the beginning, and then mm-hmm. at some point they got expensive, and the only people who cared about the a proper GUI and publishing industry, yeah, and, and they were just better at... Uh, Adobe only made software for Apple, yeah, and so designers had to fork up the money. Well, I remember my father was like almost like religious about it, and um, you know he would be, he was disgusted at what he called the IBMs, <laughs> but it was like you either a business you either had a business machine or you had like an art machine, and for him, Apple represented the art machine. Yeah, but I think, but, but that's so funny with Windows going to the that route. It, like mm-hmm. somehow this this uh, art uh, user is very valuable. Yeah, and so I think it's best represented. But but it's funny how it's marginalized. Usually, like artists are, are not compensated, but when they're <laughs> right, right. yeah, all these really expensive tools for people who make no money. So you know, the gift that I had for speaking at the Apple Store is they gave me an iPad Pro and an Apple Pencil. I had to beg for the Apple Pencil, <laughs> but they were really generous with this iPad Pro. It wasn't like the base model; it was like a, a you know a mid level model. Yeah, um, I don't say that's generous, but uh, whatever, like. I'm going to say it's generous. And okay. uh, I was excited to bring it home because Kristen and I actually previously, she had been doing some drawing stuff and I, I wanted to do some some drawing stuff. And we, we had lusted over this idea of a tablet and a pencil as like, if only we had that all of our yeah, problems yeah. Well, would be solved. It, it, it is interesting when you think about a computer and like the, the concept of a computer, well, it's a calculator and then what else mm-hmm. can it do? And what form should it have? And what what's the best way for you to touch the computer or to interact with it? Because a computer only sees zeros and ones. Everything mm-hmm. on top of that is just uh, to help humans use the computer. But as two artists, you know, this was symbolic to us. The same way, I don't know if you saw when the Microsoft Surface came out. And uh, they had this new Surface computer that was they actually positioned as a drawing table and it like collapses on the table there's a beautiful like an architect's ad. table yeah there's a beautiful ad and it's really all channeling like you know yeah the the classic graphic designer or designer like trope of you know like the the genius in his studio or her studio the charles or Reims, if you will and i like Have there's a romance a associated with this and so as big as an architect's table but that surface is twenty seven. Yeah, it's inches. not it's not that big. It's like really twenty one. Yeah. I mean it's twenty seven inches yeah. or something like that. But regardless, the 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 way they make it appear is very large. Same thing with the iPad Pro. <laughs> they actually. get a really small model. <laughs> a little artist. <laughs> well think about the the actual iPad Pro. There's like the ten point five inch model and then there's like the the 12 or 13, I can't, I think it's yeah. 12 point something. That's still very small. Like, I keep hammering about the size of Instagram as well. But when we went to art school, the first thing in drawing class that they say is get big paper because <laughs> st- students are always like doing this letter size sketchbooks or even smaller. And they're like, no, 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 you have to use your body when you draw. So you need uh, in centimeters, the paper has to be like 70 by 100 centimeters or something. And that's actually a really uh, interesting point, even just to get things going, which is like, so we get, I get this tablet in, you know, I'm really excited to try the pencil. I start playing with it. I'm like, I'm going to bring this to work tomorrow and I'm going to use it to like take notes and things. And I have to say, like, I keep just drawing like the same sphere over and over again or like, you know, I like, I keep, I keep just trying. But did you ever just like doing drawing? Wiggly, just doing wiggly lines with the pencil. Yeah, and I do I do, do drawing, but what I realized is I do it much more purposefully now, which is like, 
I I very rarely just sit down but and draw. But did you grow up drawing? Like, did you draw comics or uh, illustrations? Um, or what's yeah, your... I did. I, I was really into cartoon drawings. So I had yeah, all the book, yeah. these books on cartoons and stuff. Um, and you can, it's actually pretty incredible, like the technology, because it also has this like faster screen. So it's like 120 hertz. So there's almost no lag or it's very un- hard to notice any lag between yeah. the pencil and I, the I, Yeah, I bought the iPad Pro... Uh, Maybe a year ago to try it because I was interested if the the um, the so I I like vectors and drawing with points and curves and all that stuff and but I always start with a sketchbook with a pen it's just faster mm-hmm. and I was curious if this would result in different shapes if I'm looking for shapes if if like tapping with a pen on the screen and and the way the plastic touches the glass like maybe you know it's an experiment maybe it creates a different kind of drawing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my main interest. Not that I thought that uh, the sketchbook, the sketchbook is great. It's very you don't have to charge it, and uh, it always works. But mm-hmm. nothing different came out. There was no no surprises came out. So then I just returned it after. And why a few do you days. think that was? Like, what what app were you using when you were when you were drawing? I used the, the notes app of Apple, where you can just draw freely. And then I used. I downloaded two different, I even paid for them, two different vector apps to, I was just curious because I've always been on the mouse and keyboard and the, and the screen is away from your hands. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, what's the dynamic if the, if the screen is under my hands and uh, mm-hmm. does that change? And maybe I should have given it, but I've had an iPad once to make music, like I used it as a synth. Mm-hmm. And I stopped using it. So ever since, I've been very reluctant to buy one. And every time a new one comes out, you're excited. You're like, oh, this one has more hertz and da da. And, but I can't make it work in my... Uh, yeah, but this is the thing that I think I'd like to try and unpack if we can, which yeah. is the hype and the excitement. And well, then, maybe maybe the fundamental question is, like, does the computer... The computer ha- is starting to have many forms, and it's all... Uh, all the different forms are extensions of the same services and, and apps, so you can use the same... You can use Adobe tools on your phone and on a tablet and on a big screen and uh, on a multi-screen and Mm -hmm. teams so apps are not very hardware specific it's it's like it's a service that is uh, just permeating through everywhere yeah well i think it's just that i'm trying to figure out why it is that i i was i was excited about this device I was excited, you know, right, you know, giddy with excitement. Yeah, like, then, imagine, imagine you you time traveled and you showed Leonardo da Vinci an iPad. He'd be <laughs> yeah. excited. Well, but then, yeah, but then yesterday, like, I spent the whole day on my laptop, like, where I got into flow. Like, I've only just been able to like do. Maybe it's because I'm just not used to the form factor and playing with it. And I've previously had an iPad and abandoned it, you know. And I was only just reading on it, and then I was like, my phone's more natural to read on. And it was just something. Yeah, and I like the Kindle to read on because the the the, the way the light the, with daylight yeah. and it, yeah, it's calm so, for your eyes. And so now I'm trying to I'm trying to think: is it because that this thing is trying to be a poor replacement for a sketchbook or for paper? In that it it's a it's a, sounds like it's a superior replacement. It can do all of these things, but. On it, like when when I get into it, because even at work I had the choice between my notebook yeah. and the iPad, and I went back to my notebook, my just my handwritten yeah. notes. Well, it's it's also when you think about how notes work, it's uh, you have a very brief moment of an idea and you want to remember it, or mm-hmm. the other idea of, of doodling is thinking out loud, and so any friction is very hurtful when you're thinking out loud and. Uh, um, for me, the friction is like, oh, I have an idea, I'm scribbling, now I have to create a new page, and then a new page. And I know there's apps where you can just kind of swipe and you you can get... But then going back to it, it's like browsing through a digital photo album. And, and I, I think that's... You're, I, just you're getting, found, you're, you're, I just found... But maybe it's also that the, the notebook and a black pen, it just has, it's very reduced utility and no distraction. But I was paying very close attention. I think you're actually right, which is like when I have my pen and just a notebook, there's only one thing I worry about. Is there ink in this pen? <laughs> Usually, right? Yeah. Um, and pretty much I'm making eye contact with people even while I'm taking notes. And I'm, and I'm maybe jotting a thing down. Uh, but it's very quick. You're right. I'm very, it's almost like it's, not, it's a part of my body or I'm not even... I'm not even thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, with the yeah. tablet, I'm like, okay, I got to tap here to, to undo. I gotta, and it, it's, it's, it did seem... It does seem like it. T- they're even the friction of the device itself being yeah. 
being um, culturally like austere in a way, like being but, in a meeting with it even stands out, right? The, the, the standing I, out yeah, aspect is, I, has I friction. I'm not, uh, I don't work with other people around me, so I don't right. have that issue. But um, there are many things that are way faster on the computer. So, so if I'm taking notes for an essay, let's say mm-hmm. I want to write down my thoughts and write down keywords, I will always do that in the, on the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, but then a laptop is way easier than an iPad to type on. But uh, if I'm visually doodling or thinking out loud or whatever you want to call it in sketching, then paper and pen is just the fastest. And so, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, There's it, not the, I mean, I, th- I think the iPad is, is a computer for old people. But I mean, that's he, really a, like the only people I see who use it are, are baby boomers. But if it's going to be successful, like, you know, with the word pro after it has to be people like ourselves or younger versions of ourselves that choose it as their primary well, device for creating. My friend right? uh, Austin Lee is uh, almost known as an iPad painter. Mm-hmm. Um, not, and he doesn't even use the iPad, but his work looks like um, you quickly draw something in a painting app, a kind of primitive and very bright primary colors of the screen. Mm-hmm. But then he paints that meticulously using airbrush and brush strokes and different things. So there's this um, tension between painting that with the best pigments possible on a large scale and very skillfully done, but it looked the the actual gestures look very spontaneous, but they weren't they were created spontaneously on a computer, but then they were rendered perfectly in paint. Mm. So, I think that's yeah. And, and so going. he he uh, used all kinds of tablets, um, and he 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 was drawing on his phone to see if that was the quickest, most spontaneous tool, because he would go in the subway and like draw pictures of people he would see on the subway. He would use an iPad, which stands out a little bit more. And it turns out he liked the Surface the most because it had full Photoshop and you can have layers. And no app on the iPad uh, came close to Photoshop. So they're always like, oh, mobile apps are the future. But then there's like these specific, just a few silly things you need and no other app offers it. So he doesn't like Windows. And and the, the response time of Surface is less than on the iPad, but it's just that mm-hmm. it runs full Photoshop. There's like a version of Photoshop, and but there's definitely layers on Procreate and all these other. Yeah, there's I don't a bunch know. of apps. Okay, I, 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 yeah, I, we would have but to he, ask him. He was him, comfortable but... with the original Photoshop. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I guess <clears throat> what I'm trying to figure out is like maybe one of the tensions is, and it's to kind of come back on this kitsch thing that it, a lot of what I've experienced on the iPad is trying to simulate the experience of a sketchbook. Yeah, in, in yeah, like paper structure and <clears throat> like a, a marker bleeds in the paper a little bit. Yeah, even the pencil, the way you draw, like you can draw like uh, with the side of the pencil and it's like you're drawing with yeah. the side of a real so pencil. So this has been a very slow segue. This episode is about, <laughs> well, tablets and kitsch, yeah. But, yeah, but like but, I think but the But when I think of the iPad, I, think, I don't think of actual creators. I think more of like going on an Airbnb trip and having some green plants and wooden furniture and a, a latte macchiato and then Pinterest on the on the tablet. That's, to me, the iPad lifestyle. <laughs> Have you done that before? <laughs> no, but that's what, how I see. Like, I live in an in a Instagram Airbnb neighborhood, so I see I everyone see. there photographing their brunch, and then they probably blog on their iPad. That's what I imagine. Well, I, I, I think that for me, though, this tension is like... When I say you know, photographing the brunch, I mean an SLR on a tripod and then reordering <laughs> the macchiato till it's perfect and lighting it. And, yeah. Really? You see that? Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that's pretty kitschy. But I think that's also what I'm talking about, where skeuomorphism on the iPad is not just skeuomorphism in terms of the interface, but in terms of the analogy or metaphor of the device itself. Yeah. That is yeah. to say, like... It tries to be something else and therefore is not really successful but, but you, at, breaking, when, at bringing us any further in any new direction. When you think of the earliest uh, painting programs, and it, it, we'll put this in the show note, you know that mother of all demos where the, the, the guy mm-hmm. displays a pen interface. and Yeah, of course. Yeah. That was everything the iPad was already. Kind of like, uh, he, 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 he can doodle a shape and the computer converts it into a geometric uh, primitive. Mm-hmm. And then because they're shapes, you can they can interact with each other, they can morph into each other, all this cool stuff. But I see all these companies like, like but, desperately but, but, looking but, but, for the future but, but, of computing. No, 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 just, yeah. just a second. It, it, yeah. The whole thing that they couldn't do skeuomorphism because the resolution wasn't there. So that when you look I at see. all the earliest painting it's apps. It's vector-based. Yeah. yeah, but even the earliest painting apps and Mac Paint and the uh, Windows, what was the Windows called? 
uh, yeah. Windows Paint? Oh, the Windows Painting application that was like Mac Paint? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, both of them had had an airbrush tool, but it was just very crude. So it it was so far from reality that it wasn't kitsch. It was just, you can draw with a circle, and the circle is filled with the color that you use, and that's like the way you make a line. Mm -hmm. Or half the circle is filled, and the pixels are kind of randomly placed, and that's called airbrush. Right. But when you when the resolution goes up, you can actually photographically approach the the uh, feeling of an airbrush. So but as it gets more realistic, it gets more kitschy. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, and I think as it gets more realistic, it but it, the intention it is the same. It's just they didn't have the thing. pixels. They, they, the intention is the same. They just didn't have the resolution to approach the airbrush <clears throat> at the time, and yeah. that's that's why it's not kitschy. But regardless of the intent, the way it's received by the artist or creator is like, I, and this is where I think like, you know, the computer actually, we, we diss it all the time, like the one that we've, we've used up until this day for its windows and its complexity. But that complexity allowed a whole new suite of interactions that created a whole new um, aesthetic, you know, whole new aesthetic principles and ideologies yeah. Yeah, and, and for I what think, comprises media. I think every time there's a... I'm always interested in the early stages of, of a technology. So if you look at early printing or early animation or early cinema, uh, the limitations were so strict that you have to come up with really weird stuff. Yeah, well, early I'm just video thinking, games, like, if we're, yeah. why do these technological advancements exist? They exist as, like, they're trying to get to a more intuitive uh, interface, right? But I, the argument I might try and make is that by going intuitive, it's it's almost like a tacky pursuit. It's saying like to become more human, we need to like create the device that's like yeah. more arcane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like leather bound and uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And there's a certain kitsch to that when the computer d- is not honest about being a computer. Yeah, yeah, and maybe it's a it's an old argument, but like if you if you just speculate for a second, like um, a friend of mine is uh, this guy Sterling Crispin is making. Actually, I mean, I, I haven't seen him in a while. I don't know if I should just call him, <laughs> but he's making a VR drawing app, right? And I was I I saw his like he did a little demo the other day, and he was talking about how he was looking for a gesture in VR that didn't exist. Um, in the physical realm, like in the in the normal realm, and I thought it was really interesting. And what the one idea he proposed was that you could have stereoscopic uh, brushstrokes. That is to say, like the brushstroke could be in one eye green and in the other eye red, and therefore it was no one color; it was two colors at the same time. The brain would recombine the colors in a, a newer, novel way. And I, but just that thought got me thinking that like. Well, then you're, then you're really thinking, like, what can you do with a computer that you can't do with a regular paint? Exactly. I mean, it's yeah. a very simple thought. Um, but that the iPad and other devices seem to be really desperately working to be like as good as a drawing table in 1965 or something. I'm like, why are they trying to do that? Like, no one's asking for 1965 yeah. again. Yeah. No, it, 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 but there are, it, I, I will say this, like, um, there are certain things that are the way they are, and we accept them, and it's good to test other models. So we've mm-hmm. accepted that a screen is uh, standing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had that for many years. So you have your keyboard on the table, and the screen stands up. And what if the, 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 the screen becomes bigger and becomes the table? Maybe it's worth trying. I don't know. Or yeah, maybe I mean, maybe there's two screens, like the table is a screen and then there's a stand-up screen as well. Yeah, I think it's good to try stuff. So I've been pretty critical, I think, previously of like 3D printing and VR as like creative, you know, creative new creative um, modes uh, of working. And then I looked up an old friend's work who's, who does just drawing. Like he, he just does what he was doing, regular drawing. I remember I curated him when I was doing curating like years ago, like almost 20 years ago. Just ink on like, paper. Yeah, and I was like, "What are you, what's he doing now?" And and what is he doing? He's like in he's in VR, like in um, in like tilt brush or something. He's sculpting his draw. His drawings are now like sculptures that he like engraves into objects, which he then three D prints, um, and then and walks through and does films in VR. <laughs> it's just like it was actually kind of inspiring. I was like, for the first time, I was like, "Whoa!" Like that's not what I expected. He had previously done drawings, but had started to animate them. A little bit in like you know in, in on the computer, but he it had really gone to this place where it was still the original idea, but he had he was using these tools as a professional, and then cr- the crazy thing is he was like auctioning it on his Instagram, and I was like he's like full 
<laughs> he's like full on using every single new uh, platform and technology for his artistic practice. And it, so then I'm thinking like, well, maybe I'm just not really, my head's not really wrapped around this, how all these things fit together. You're just getting um, and old. Do yeah. I'm just getting old, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey guys, what about paper? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying what about paper. I'm actually more like, I'm saying like, what about what Adobe about code? Illustrator or something? Yeah. What about code? Yeah. yeah. What, yeah, code, what happened to that? algorithms? What's that, grandpa? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Generative? I don't think so. Yeah, but, but but you wanted you wanted to talk about kitsch, generally, yeah, right? Yeah, I thought. Um, well, what I was thinking about kitsch is that there's always this uh, distinction of high and low culture, and then people get excited because they can bridge them and then they can flip them. Mm-hmm. And I never hear people talk about conceptual art being in a stage of kitsch, hmm. uh, where it becomes a, a a caricature of itself. So you. you Conceptual That's artists. just bad, bad conceptual art, though. Isn't yeah, it? but also <laughs> emulating previous methods. So uh, let's revisit black and white photography, or let's revisit and, and which would, when conceptual art was using the most obvious and cheapest and easiest materials at the time, and then people go back finding those materials because or showing things on a Sony Cube monitor, mm-hmm. but even more. To me, something like relational aesthetics is at a stage of kitsch where the production budgets get so huge and what they're trying to say could be said much smaller. Mm-hmm. All I'm trying to say is that it's very obvious to say deviant art is kitsch because mm. it's not accepted in the museums. But what if in what's in the museums is actually the kitsch? Like maybe a James Terrell show by at this point is so obvious that that's what is becoming kitsch. I mean, yeah. And I it's think appropriated a lot of by hotels and... It, 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 I'm just saying, the interesting thing for me is that I think there was a time when it was very clear what was kitsch and what was not. And I think it's very confusing now. Yeah, I mean, I was in Arizona in Tucson and I walked by like a Louis Vuitton store and it was full of Jeff Koons or whatever. Like, I do think, and he obviously appropriated kitsch as his like method of production, but then it, it's like it was being used as luxury you know, yeah, it, it keeps going art. in and out of itself. It was like a cycl- yeah, it was like a recursively. It's like kitsch, a breathing uh, object. It's it's like a creature that keeps breathing in and out. <laughs> I would say that's just like kind like of irony in, sincerity out, and it just keeps breathing. And yeah, and a few years ago, people started to talk about like a post-ironic um, way of thinking about things. But you know, postmodernism is really characterized by that um, circularness, uh, and I think like. So in of itself, it w- if it was to become kitschy, that's its very escape from kitsch. In any, when you say conceptual, or I, you know, it's very hard in this present era to con- to separate that from um, just postmodern uh, any any postmodern sentiment about <laughs> art in general. I guess we can agree we're all confused. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway, multiple points of view can exist at the same time, and multiple intents can also coexist. And like, so it's so fragmented that. If you were to try and just say it's one thing, that would be very yeah. narrow-minded. But um, but if if you look at um, uh, the difference between a parody and a tribute, mm-hmm. so you see, it, what art often does is find something that's very ugly and then find the beautiful in it. So people are like, oh no no, that's taboo. You can't do that. And like, oh, I never saw it that way. I guess it's accepted. Okay, it's beautiful now. And then yeah. you have to find the what? next ugly thing. I know exactly what you're talking about because sometimes I will speak sincerely, and then um, it will be read as um, uh, yeah. Like we're irony. so we're so used <laughs> to irony that it's very hard to accept sincerity. Yeah, exactly. And then other times I will speak ironically, and it'll be taken sincerely. And and so at a certain point, I decided that I would just not really distinguish between yeah. both. No, that's is, what I'm. That's maybe the, what what I wanted to talk about. That the the distinguishment doesn't make any sense. Like the distinguishment between the mind and the body is kind of primitive. And maybe the distinguishment between sincere and ironic, maybe you can be both at the same time. It's all about how it's received and projected in, in, in circuit. And I think like I've talked about this previously in terms of um, how I think the 1970s video artists were, were exploring these ideas by considering their reflection because they would perform in front of, uh, monitors, right? They'd watch themselves performing, and they would watch themselves performing ironic representations of 
uh, Hollywood gestures. That is to say, they like fake celebrity was a thing that they were exploring in a lot of that 1970s video, right? Like amateur, the amateur aesthetic or amateur Hollywood kind of aesthetic. Now, what is that today? That's YouTube, and and we're and a lot of people are partake in that, which is that they mimic and you know sincerely, but then also. Uh, irreverently yeah, yeah. at the same it's time. It's very confusing because <clears throat> you're referencing a culture that already exists and, yeah. and the YouTube stars are more popular than the artists that are parodying or attributing them or whatever you call it or yeah. referencing them. But you're also showing in the same space. You're also publishing on YouTube. Or, yeah, you yeah. know, people who make a... An, like Amalia Ullman's... Um, Instagram performance or anyone who yeah. uses social media, you're also publishing. So that's very different than the video art because the, if the video art was mimicking or parodying Hollywood gestures, they were not showing in the same theaters. Yeah, like a friend of mine the other day who's a, you know, like makes art where he's talking about like life and death and like sex and Satan and stuff like that. He posted on Instagram like a like a cappuccino with a heart in it or something. Yeah, and you're like, what, what are you trying to say? So I like, I, I yeah, like I harassed him on Instagram and, and then he had hurt feelings because... I thought it was a joke. I was like, I was actually, I, I, I was like poking fun at yeah, him yeah, had, yeah. as that. I thought that was an ironic gesture that he had yeah, presented. Yeah. Well, and I he's guess, like, no, I just like coffee. <laughs> it's just a good <laughs> coffee. No, I, I remember we were uh, at a conference, a DLD conference, and there was a bunch of post-internet artists in a, in a panel. The panel mm-hmm. was called Ways Beyond the Internet at DLD. You can find it on YouTube. And there was another artist speaking at the same, another internet artist I think his name is Jonathan Harris. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know his work? Uh, sounds familiar. He uh, makes the know. number 27 is his website, I think. And he makes all these websites that read data and will oh, see right. the, the emotion of the internet. And it's kind of, um, he's very, like, talking about very heavy emotional stuff, which none of us in that group. So he saw us as, as one big group of ironic appropriation. Uh, us as a group we see each other as very different but from his uh, location or his point of view we were all sort of like ironic using clip art or bad 3D and making Mm -hmm. fun of internet culture yeah so uh, what I'm trying to say is none of us thought of ourselves as ironic but from his point of view we were and then maybe from our point of view his work is so sincere that it, it goes towards the kitsch Mm-hmm. That's right. Like it's so it's so um, it it's it's so naive in that it might believe it can yeah, yeah, a yeah. change or a difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, personally, I've been having a lot of conversations recently, though. With well, you run who, into this when you make a startup with different artists. Yeah, like even with the projects I'm working on now, which are sincerely aiming to change the world by pairing. Um, yeah, like startup methodologies with artists who have a social practice, my belief being that like we need more objects in our lives that speak to us um, critically and socially. Now, whether or not you believe that to be true, because of my history as like an artist who is primarily, you know, ironic a and prankster. making fun, prankster, it, you know, you might read each of those sincere gestures as ironic. Now, what I've said to them and what I've talked about uh, with others to help make that comfortable is like, wouldn't it be the best punchline in the world if we actually made a difference? And it's like, like if we were so lucky as to stumble across a way of changing, you know, the status quo, wouldn't that be, wouldn't we all be laughing out loud? You know, like, wouldn't that just also, could it not be funny and life uh, affirming and changing all at the same time. So I don't know. That's kind of where I'm standing now. Yeah. And I actually don't know the answer to that. But it's, like, it's funny because when you, when you think of irony, you also think of the troll and that the troll mm-hmm. is such a powerful force that whatever you say that you believe in, they just go lame and you feel <laughs> self-conscious. Yeah, and the, yeah. the more serious you are and the more you want something, if someone is on the sidelines going lame, yeah, it's very scary. It's hard to stand up and well, be like, "Well, I really believe that we're lame." But I'm, I'm sure, like as now an artist approaching, you know, mid middle age, <clears throat> you've gotten to this point where you have a certain amount of confidence. Where if someone says lame, 
at this point, if I'm doing something new that's never been seen before, I can I, my retort is always the same, which is like, well, we'll see, won't we? Right? Like, <laughs> we'll see yeah, what happens. Yeah, but it, it, um, for example, so I think the internet, uh, there's like the trolling culture, and there's a sort of corny, sincere culture of the like, oh, mm-hmm. this is a beautiful moment. And when I started doing haiku, I felt very self-conscious because you're like putting poetry online. Mm-hmm. And it, it it was fine, and there's a lot of irony there too, so it's fine. And it, But I definitely, it felt very different than the, the work that I posted before. Because if you start saying, hey, I'm a poet, and you start publishing your right. poetry on Instagram, and everyone's looking. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you, would you write sincere poetry? Sure. Yeah. At this point, I'll do anything. Like, okay. uh, like really, I've abandoned all because I'm not. I know I'm not going to be Damien Hurst now, right? Like because I know I'm yeah, not. Yeah, I feel the same. Like no one's taking me seriously anyway. So what, <laughs> what have I got to lose? Yeah. And I have like, yeah, I have resources. I can apply for grants and get them. I have institutions that do want to work with me. I can, I can take a risk and do something bizarre. And I know it's not going to ruin my career because I don't have like. Collect, there's no collectors that care whether I make money or don't yeah. or like and so I would say I feel very free at this moment but do um, you do you um, do you ever think about in terms of it, it just seems to me that it was a previous generation that thought in terms of high and low art and kitsch and non-kitsch but I, I don't know if those I just think it's people in their 20s I'm gonna I'll did, be honest with you like did, I think but did, like, did it come to mind when you were younger like oh that's kitsch when you're young, you, you're really no, like not, you not mentioned anybody, earlier, but you. That I that I thought things were kitsch. Well, I was invested in kitsch aesthetics. Yeah, like I thought that that was a way. Like by by adopting a lower aesthetic, it was a way to not take myself too seriously, and also to produce art at a high rate. <laughs> because like honestly, like to produce a high end aesthetic takes a lot of time, um, and so to make it more about the ideas than the aesthetic. Um, but also so so that I was protected if someone was like, well, that's stupid. I'd be like, it's supposed to be stupid, you know? And I think like at this point, though, um, I'm more interested in a sincere gesture that attempts to like do something and maybe fails and the failure is human. I mean, that's the difference that I'm that I'm seeking now. And, and, where so if you, I was to, but, and if you look at other people's art and when you work with artists in your startups, do you ever... Um, you try to find artists with many different points of view. Yeah, I'm more interested in like what's new, which uh, so it's supposed to be impossible to find anything new. Um, you know, again, to circle back on postmodernism yeah. and even to circle back on Apple and like everyone's looking for the next computer device, the next art movement. I actually think there's something really exciting about that challenge and that it's actually really hard. It is really hard right now but, like, to do uh, that. But you're not really in a position. Uh, with your, when you work with other artists, are you in a position to say you're in and you're not? In what? It, like wh- whoever artists you take on. Like do people apply and you have to select and so you have to sort of mm, see who's, like, who's in and who's out? I mean, I don't have a set form- formula yet, but the last time I did it, uh, I, I, made, I did it as interviews mostly and I did an open call as well. But okay. the best, best thing came from networking and interviews. Cause it, because I, I remember my father talking. He's he was an art teacher. He's retired now, and he would talk about people coming from a small town to Amsterdam, and then uh, I'm not saying Amsterdam is a big city, but a little bit bigger. But it's pretty big. You get the point. And they would come from a small town, and they would be really into, let's say, uh, gothic airbrush, uh, Lord of the Rings aesthetic, uh, something like that. And they would be pretty mm-hmm. good at it. Mm-hmm. And then all the teachers would gang up and say, "No, that's kitsch." You can't do that here. We're going to break you, and we're going to sculpt yeah, you yeah, into yeah, yeah. a good, good Richard Sarah. And um, uh, so, I don't know. When you have this startup, do you have any sort of boundaries? I would say because you are saying let's heal the world through art, but then you have to have a boundary. What's art? It can't just be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do that <laughs> with uh, uh, like, a, I don't know. Then you get to the point. What's not art? Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a common refrain. I think the intention a of working with artists and b working with capital as material, and so thinking about um, like and artists have always done this. How do how do you misuse something that exists versus how do you use it correctly? <clears throat> Again, I think this actually comes back to the iPad, which is like I don't want to use it as a drawing device because I've I can do that with a sketchpad. Yeah. 
So when I'm working with artists on creating startups, I'm not just trying to create Airbnb. That doesn't make any sense. I'm trying to create something new that doesn't already exist. And I believe by combining them and their mindset with this mode of production, this capital, in a way that it's not supposed to work, that we can generate a new idea. I mean, this is what postmodernism supposes, presupposes, which is that recombination is the only path forward. Um, and so by recombining ideas, we get to something new. It's the cooking, I think, is always the best lens through which to look at this, which is like there's a lot of chefs that like will do um, like some ironic twist on like, um, you know, macaroni and cheese or whatever. It's a, it's a cheese tower. It's made from but it's made from like molecular gastronomy, you know, synthesized yeah, yeah, cheese. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Well, yeah. Or, or but, like, let's make a five hundred dollar hamburger. Yeah, exactly. But the food that actually pushes like the culinary arts forward is usually like the combination of two cultures or like the uh, like the the removal of an assumption about the right way to do things, um, the misuse of an ingredient, like throwing something in the freezer that you're supposed to put in the oven or whatever. But, but right? So if someone would apply to your lean artist startup or uh, whatever mm-hmm. project you do with artists and the let's say in, like I, I did a residency in Paris in Cité des Arts, mm-hmm. and um, every country gets to decide who goes to to the... So th- it's a building with 300 studios in like 300 countries. Each, Iceland has a studio, South Africa has a studio, India has a studio, and they yeah, decide which yeah. artist goes. Canada had one for a while. I don't think it does anymore. Well, yeah, but but there's a there's a... A committee in each country that decides what's kitsch and what's art and what do we allow. But the, <laughs> right, but right. but some of these committees, the people were very old, and also ex members can keep coming back. So you still had people there who would have a suitcase with watercolors and a beret. I'm not exaggerating. And the 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 the, the residency was very close to the Notre Dame and the River Seine. So they would go there and make watercolors just like 150 years ago. And so if someone of that nature, an artist of that nature, would be like, hey, Jeremy, I want to join your startup because you're handing out free money and I want to make watercolors of, of a cathedral. Jim. Yeah, that's happened. And that's fine. Um, I think that that's an, that would be, it's an interesting case. Um, it doesn't fit the mold that I'm looking for because I'm looking for people that have social practices. But if okay, but like what, a, if, what if they did portraits of uh, uh, marginalized people in their community? Yeah. I had someone like that apply to the program, and I considered them, actually. But it just ended up not being the right fit, um, because ultimately um, they wanted to make more photos, and no one in the program is making making, uh, their work. They're making companies, and companies produce more than a single object. A, they, they represent, like, usually they have a purpose or a mission that is attempting to change something about the world. Um, not just <laughs> like <about> Facebook. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. <laughs> we just want to connect people. It's, I guess what I just want to say that like scale is a part of what I'm looking for. Yeah, like, yeah, can yeah. the per- can the person's idea scale, or could it? You know, could it scale? Yeah, to be more but than ma- just maybe this one my thing? point is that um, whatever intention you have, there's always mm-hmm. going to be a selection. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. There's going to be a selection process. I think that you're bringing up a really good point, though, because we've all had that moment where we've done a residency and there's someone that you're like, uh, where have they been the last like 30 or 40 years? And I don't know if that's the last 200 years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even, yeah, and maybe that's why I was like uncomfortable with the Apple stuff because I'm like, wow, like, why am I painting watercolor on this device that took like, you know, so many the billions cutting of, edge human of space cutting technology, edge technology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels really weird and will that be true yeah, in like a hundred years we're hammering still be painting a little bit on the on the ipad as a visual arts tool mm-hmm. but it's actually really great for music i think yeah, as a sketchbook for musicians it's pretty powerful i don't know i would do you, have to ask do you know do you know any musicians using it? You said you tried to use it as a musician. I, I did but. use it, but then I, I bought a physical keyboard because I like resting my fingers on the keys and finding a melody that way. Like, but it's so funny because you bought a teenage engineering keyboard, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Like it's, the only, that, it's the only keyboard that I know that has a recording function. And that that keyboard in particular, though, like there's... Um, there's a certain amount of kitsch built into it, like it has yeah. graphics yeah, from yeah, the it's 1980s. Retro, but it's, it's it, retro. But yeah. it's the only keyboard I could find that has a hardware recording function built into mm. it. Other, other synths, I would have to... Atta- I just wanted something that I could sit down and find a melody. That's all I wanted. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but um, 
it is it's still the so i think when we have the two topics of this podcast the the, the ipad and the kitsch and there's instagram it's not just the ipad it's like really like yeah tablets, but it's the computer think, yeah but so the computer industry is like hmm we want to sell more resolution because then people need a new machine uh we want people to touch the screen because we have this touchscreen technology so let's sell it mm-hmm. how can we sell it who who needs touch i guess painters <laughs> that's the only selling point because it's obvious that spreadsheets are not great on a touchscreen yeah yeah like, so they're it, not going to sell it to like a traveling salesman and be like well now you can swipe <laughs> your your spreadsheet it, yeah it just feels like cave painting or something yeah but way. it's funny Even, like you you get to this marketing problem it's like okay um intel called us they uh made the chips work good with touchscreen so we gotta sell this stuff uh who needs who needs a touchscreen and they're like oh fuck artists well how many artists are there yeah that's about one percent of humanity or 0.1 percent that, <laughs> that's not gonna move the needle Oh, yeah, but, then but, they, but, but people maybe, want to be artists, so we can sell it to people who want to be artists. But you're making a really good point there. Okay, maybe that is actually the good point, which is like there is the difference between artists and the romantic ideal of artists exactly. sold yeah, to yeah. everyone. Yeah, yeah, because right? there's still there's still I, I was talking about this. There's still such a um, admiration for people who can render things realistically with a pencil. Mm-hmm. it's like wow and he's like well we invented the photo camera and then yeah, exactly. <laughs> no 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 but they did it by hand <laughs> so there's still this very primal response well even s- on an iPad too it's like the, the camera's built into the goddamn sketchbook <laughs> yeah. like it, it, it's literally sandwished <laughs> yeah. into the device the whole technology yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the history no, no, but of art they did it by hand <laughs> yeah I'll tell you the first thing I did though when I when I mean like, maybe in a few years we'll have people who's like oh they they hand coded this in binary. I am thinking of a way I might use the iPad though because I was when I do my um my I do do drawings. How does, right? like, how do does these... Scully like the iPad? <laughs> I tried to get her to play with it. She won't. But because uh, uh, there's you can download apps for cats. But I when when I was when I do my patent drawings I usually like actually compose them in Illustrator out of photographs. And then I just I rate uh, I do um, I just trace over top right I do um, rotoscoping, but to to like get a, a drawing and then I tweak that drawing independently. But I think on the iPad, what you could do is you could take photos and then draw over top of them. <laughs> yeah. That would be I could do that. That would be like a, a step forward, yeah. just in terms of workflow. And what about uh, watching Netflix at 120 hertz? <laughs> well, this is the other. You're bringing up another point, which is about uh, refresh speed. And the fact that film and video, um, no one likes to look at it at uh, no. high So they, high speed, they made right? the motion coprocessor to switch to 24 frames when you're watching movies. Right, yeah. And, but and it can it, like, even, like, part of the screen can be, a, you could draw next to the movie and have yeah. a picture in frame and the movie will show 24 frames and your drawing is at 120. But what I read that as is like the entire technology industry is like, look, we can pretend like it's 1940 and then we can zoom right ahead to 2018 and then we can go right back to 1940. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and this seems to be like, I don't know, maybe that's the whole the, the whole point ultimately, which is like there's this this all of culture has been reduced into, you know, to a single layer or like a flip book that you can like go back and forth through. Right. Yeah, it is. It is interesting that um, so. We we don't think of the computer anymore as a single machine, but as a system. Mm-hmm. And um, then different uses. Christina teaches, so she likes to read and make notes on the, on the readings. And now she had to figure out, okay, how do I collect all my writings digitally so I can copy things for my students and, and make an out, uh, outline and whatever. So it turned out that Dropbox with PDF editing on the iPad was best. She prefers reading on the Kindle, but you can't edit a PDF there. Okay. Um, so that's like one use case. The other use case is my parents, and they love reading the newspaper on the iPad. Like, they adore that. And, and then kids watch YouTube on the iPad. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I don't know. Do you know any other? But if it's going to go from consuming to creating, I think there's just one thing that needs to change, and it needs to become. It needs to be possible to develop an app on the iPad or yeah, on whatever I'm device not, you're I'm using. I'm not sure if I agree with that because, the, but you know, what, like when, when you the, look at the history of desktop publishing, it wasn't because they could code. I guess it's true. Yeah, it's true. 
It was they could they could change it, make plugins for their software to make it work for their newspaper and etc. I don't know. I I'm just thinking like if I can't misuse the device, yeah. if you can't if if you're going to tell me how to use it, I'm not going to be able to use but it a as camera, an artist. I'm just saying as an artist. But uh, like when you think of the phone as a camera, you could misuse it by pointing it at the wrong light source or That's making a, a stupid composition or going against the rules of composition. Uh, you can misuse it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to wait and see. Maybe our listeners can send in some examples. <laughs> um, and I'm not talking like examples of people who are using painting, doing paint, because we, you know, obviously yeah. there are famous but examples. It, it, like, it, the, the, there is the. Like Hockney, who's done yeah. like paintings on the iPad and stuff. When, when you think of travel bloggers, uh, they make it look mm-hmm. like everything was photographed with the phone, but it's actually a team is traveling with them and lighting everything and shooting everything and then. Mm hmm resizing it to a small jpeg and then putting it on instagram but it, like i think kim kardashian i don't know if she shoots with her phone i'm not an expert but i just see a lot of lifestyle bloggers in my neighborhood and they're all uh, there's always another person taking the photo it's not a selfie yeah and they they have lighting people with them and they have video teams that's fascinating yeah are any of them using those personal drones yet? Like not ones that are controlled by anything. No, I haven't seen anything? that. No, because there's these drones now that will follow your face, <laughs> so you don't like. So yeah. you can like just throw them in the air, and yeah, they'll like yeah, yeah. they'll they'll video you. I just thought like I haven't seen that. that. No, I mean, but I, I, I have seen that most restaurants now are millennial pink. A lot of, around here, the whole mm-hmm. uh, the walls, everything is painted pink, and oh, that will okay. just increase the chance of people visiting your place and photographing it and then geotagging it. So it's like a a self-perpetuating... Because uh, that looks good on Instagram, pink? I didn't know that. Yeah, or it, 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 there's another ice cream place nearby, and they have a big... They actually switch to green, which I don't think is a flattering color. It makes people look kind of ill. But then it, they have a big yeah. neon sign that says, treat yourself, which is kind of an Instagram hashtag. And then people get this this huge elaborate ice cream with the <laughs> cereal on top and like cereal from the right. 80s. And yeah. the, the interior looks kind of 80s. And they show clips of cartoons from the 90s. It's actually more 90s than 80s. And then um, the whole the whole place is a stage. It's a photo stage. So the, the, <laughs> the, it's very cramped around where you order. And there's a very empty area at the front that's made to take pictures. Oh, God. <laughs> why is that bad? It's funny. Like, why is that kitschy? It's actually what I promote. I always say that everyone deserves to be famous now. And exactly. They should this it. was your whole thesis. And you're like, oh, God, what have we gotten into? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My thesis has come true. <laughs> yeah. I just don't know what the end point is for it now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately concerned. Anyway, um, so I don't know if there's much more to talk about here, but I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna keep trying. I, but to I, use this, yeah. But to me, this, to me, the, the new kitsch is relational aesthetics. That's my my talking point or thesis or my just just go to. Um, an exhibition of Filippo Reno or Pierre Wiege. And tell mm-hmm. me that's not kitsch. Tell me that's not like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say that um, that a lot of museums are showing work that that fits into that category. Well, um, yeah, maybe that's a, a good synthesis of all the topics we were talking about the the Instagram museum phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But audi- I'm not sure actually. Audiences still, I'm, audiences still struggle to understand. Um, a relational work, I think. I still yeah, but I it still functions as a photo looks. stage. Like when you you might not get the mm-hmm. the references that they're bringing, but as a photo stage, mm-hmm. it it functions because it includes them. In yeah, the, and the, in production the production value the is so high now, it, and and the materials they use are so fabulous. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 just kind of it's uh, high level production conceptual art. So. It, it, conceptual art was kind of like Calvinist, like a, a white room with a few letters on the wall and everything's black and white. But then they're mm-hmm. like, oh, let's add interior design to the mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's make sure. Let's make, yeah, le- exactly. Well, um, hmm, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to be cynical about it because no, no, we, we but, haven't but, really but, talked uh, about um, I mean, we did an episode of museums, but I think museums are at a point, I think in the Netherlands, the the Dutch government is reconsidering growth. They're like, okay, these museums are getting too cramped and too full, and maybe it's getting too kitschy. Uh, we should get more serious and not think about attracting users. 
really? protecting visitors. I mean, I'm having a lot of the opposite conversations because I don't think all museums are as... I mean, there some of them are full on... Yeah, like, I want all the art history, yum, yum, yum. <laughs> but, like, on actual avant-garde work, they're kind of thin. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I've been having conversations with people about... Well, how do we, what, you know, what, what is a museum's well, responsibility in a community? I have to rephrase. It's not outside of, outside of representing yeah. uh, history. I have to rephrase what I said. They, they were moving back from blockbuster exhibitions because blockbuster exhibitions are very expensive. Yeah. And museums can't focus on their collection and preservation. And so the blockbuster exhibitions get a lot of visitors, but they're like, no, the, the, the function of the museum as an archive is, is lost if we focus on visitors. So yeah, that, that like, was the danger. It, it, they they weren't necessarily unhappy with the amount of visitors. Okay, because sometimes these, yeah, these blockbusters. It's just that I, I'm like, a snob and I prefer empty museums. But they feel like a little bit like a World's Fair kind of feel. Well, it's just it's, literally um, too full to see the work. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. It, you know, when you go to an opening and you can't see the work and you have to go back a few weeks later. Yeah. Um, well, that's how it is at the MoMA every day. <laughs> right, yeah, and right. I, I really is, I, I really dread going like MoMA has great exhibitions and I'm like, oh god, I have to go. And I really plan, okay, I'm gonna try to go on Tuesday morning, right when it opens, and already it's like jam packed. Right. Do you think that if the MoMA put up bad exhibitions that they would <clears throat> that people would still go? I have a feeling that because it's in New the York. The MoMA should sell the their MoMA. collection and then just show young art. I mean, if they did that, would people stop going, though? I this hope is so. one of the... Because th- I think you're in New York, you have a bit of a skewed perception yeah, of, yeah, like... Yeah, um, yeah but I, how- I, I don't know. Like, I think a lot of 20th century museums face this problem of, like, are we going to go on into contemporary culture or become an archive of the 20th century? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, MoMA made a decision, actually. Yeah. It is doing some new things and some old things, but it de- definitely became more populist. Okay. I don't know if we can keep going on this. Uh, I'm going to keep trying forever. to use but, the tablet. Yeah, <laughs> but the, the, um, and, and I guess my thesis is everything exists at the same time and everything's confusing, so we just have to be okay with that. And that's true about computers as well. Or yeah. about, uh, what is a computer? What That's what is the, like iPad? What, the what iPad is commercial everyone have you seen that iPad commercial everyone hates where the there's a woman there's a kid running around Brooklyn with her computer and then a woman's like hey what's that computer and she's like what's a computer yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's funny people are angry yeah. cuz like an iPad saying like it's not a computer it's like the next thing after yeah. a computer yeah and then in sci-fi movies it's always a transparent tablet cuz that mm. that films better well, I know look, where we're going with all this. Yeah. All the money, as I've mentioned before, is is leaning. The, I know you don't think this future is going to come true, but I know where the money go, where the money wants it to go. The f- money wants the future to be no physical AR? devices. Yeah, just just. Well, a, I think after all this lens. this Facebook stuff, I, I'm not sure how excited people are about always listening devices. But that's another episode. There's going to be two species on this planet. <laughs> There'll be the Facebook users. <laughs> <laughs> the non-Facebook users, <laughs> and there will be a great war. Do you still? Are you still using Facebook? <laughs> no, I mean I haven't been using it very active. I've used it maybe once a week for the last uh, few years, but it's so it's just, it's just a brand space now. It's not really a personal space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you use Instagram and WhatsApp. Yeah, I use Instagram more than anything. And else, WhatsApp? No, not I know so you much? talk about that with family and stuff. But yeah. I just text my family. Okay. Anyway, that, that's another episode. Yeah, another so we chapter. have a we have a recording from a well, we actually have a catalog of recordings from the famous Tom Johnson. Yeah, we weren't even <laughs> sure if we had used this recording before, so hopefully we didn't. Tom Johnson we just has like, like I, I just more, love this recording. It, it, yeah, you like his recordings. He, yeah, he has given us a catalog of recordings. I, I want to reveal a little bit our selection process when people send in field recordings. So I like I'm I like that we show that whatever the, here whatever the last one was, but that's not your preference. Yeah, I don't believe in fair. I believe in cool. But <laughs> uh, no, if people send in and we sort of have a folder uh, with a lot of recordings, and then every week we pick, and a lot of them lately were kind of intense, and this one sounded a lot calmer, so that's why I chose it. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's feeling. Uh, it's what is it? But and this is also a preview of summer, right? So what do we have here? We, we have, have cicadas in a forest. Uh, in uh, Ogatsu, Japan. 
Wow, surrounding his uh, residency studio. Yeah, okay. it sounds great. He recorded it a while ago, though. But uh... Okay, well, these cicadas are all probably dead. No, cicadas live for decades, right? Yeah, well, Japan has very specific cicadas. They're very loud. They're interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's think of these cicadas uh, as they get ready for summer. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.